Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Benfica Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and I'm back after about a month again with no episodes, and I can't tell you how ecstatic I am to be back tonight to talk about this team. I love this team. This is, so far, an absolute dream season for this Benfica squad, this team that plays in the image of none other than Roger Schmidt, this manager that has come to this club and early on has completely changed everything. I mean, he's changed the way we look at this team. He's changed the way we look at these matches. I tell you, when this team falls behind now, there is no panic. There just isn't panic. This team is mentally tough all of a sudden. It looks like this German manager has come to Portugal and has cleaned up the culture at Benfica, something I have harped on for several seasons now, and it feels like it's finally been done. No, I am not saying that any type of accomplishment has yet been achieved uh, in terms of you know wins and losses. Yes, 17 matches unbeaten to start this 2022-2023 season, but nothing has been won yet. But, but, Befica has its identity back. And in this episode tonight, we're going to talk about uh, several matches here. We're going to talk about basically all of the matches in September and the ones we've had in October so far. They come so fast and furious with just a few days in between. Um, for obvious reasons, I haven't been able to record for some time. Uh, 
those of you that listen to the show long enough know uh, what those reasons are. It, it's it's no secret. It is work. <laughs> it's between work and more work and traveling. And, um, well, and also, you know, I, I make time for my son and for his matches. I go watch him play. And uh, little by little, the days go by. And you snap your fingers. And just like that, five weeks have gone by. Just going through the grind. Just going at it. Um, but I have not missed a Benfica match. Uh other than uh, I didn't miss it, but I didn't see all of the the match against Victoria Guimaraes um, as I was on the road that day. But I, I caught most of it, um, so we'll touch on all these things. But all in all, I could not be any happier with this Benfica team in this start to the season. But it's not just about the men, as you know. The ladies are on fire once again, top of the Liga BPI after two rounds. Uh, it. You know, way ahead in their quarterfinal tie in the Portuguese League Cup quarterfinals. And they have once again, the ladies have once again qualified for the group stage of the UEFA Champions League. And boy, did the ping pong balls just come out of the machine, or come out of the bowl and give Befica an absolute treat this year. I was hoping for it and it happened. Befica ladies drawn with what I believe is, if it's not the best team in the world, it's maybe the most enjoyable team in the world. I'm talking about none other than Football Club Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona and Benfica in the same group in the Champions League. That means these Benfica ladies will play at the Camp Nou. And I'm calling on Rui Costa. I have tweeted it. I have posted it everywhere. When Barcelona come to to Portugal to take on Benfica in the UEFA Women's Champions League, that match needs to be at the Stade de Luz. I don't want to hear excuses. I want to see it, you know, made to happen. Uh, you can't bring a team like that and play them at the Seychelles. That match needs to be at the Stadio de Luz. Uh, I, as you know, always advocating for the for the ladies and always advocating for that team. And um, again, just like the start to the men, they're on fire as well. L- winning trophies, though. Women have won the Super Cup um, in the next episode, and I do plan on recording it tomorrow because I have some time tomorrow. Uh, We will catch up on the women's team, and I'll bring you up to speed right up to date. Um, But I'd be remiss if I don't shout out and give a congratulations, not just to Carol and to to Kika and to Andrea Norton and to all of the girls on the national team for Portugal. They are one step closer to the Portuguese women's national team to a first ever FIFA Women's World Cup. This would be a huge accomplishment um, in what is really the most convoluted, most drawn out qualifying, you know, uh, qualifying path I have ever seen. Uh, they had they had the European qualification playoffs, winning both matches last week, or you know, uh, last week and then this past Tuesday. Winning both matches against Belgium and Iceland. Okay, two established teams, two teams ranked higher than Portugal. But it's not enough to get into the World Cup yet. The girls now have to go to an inter-confederational, intercontinental playoff in March. Or maybe it's February. Somewhere in that part. In New Zealand, mind you. They got to travel all the way to New Zealand for another Final Four uh, it'll be a total, if I'm not mistaken, 16 qualifying matches when it's set and done. But now uh, they, now Portugal's women do go in as the favorites. They are the highest-ranked team left in this playoff. Um, and they avoid some of the other higher-ranked teams, such as, as, yes, 
Chinese Taipei. Um, they they avoid uh, they avoid Chile, I believe, and they avoid uh, Senegal or Cameroon. I forget which team is higher ranked, but they avoid they avoid the other high ranked teams as they are a seed, and they are now two games from the FIFA Women's World Cup. So I got to shout them out. Of course, Karol Kosta, our center back, picking up goals in each of those playoff games. So a shout out to them as well. In the women's episode, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the national team. Not usually part of the par for the course, but but I think it, it's due, especially with so many of our ladies, you know, featuring in that team. Also, shout outs before we get to the football. Huge shout out. Men's basketball qualifies for the Basketball Champions League, yes, there's a such thing. Okay, the highest or second highest level of European basketball behind the Euro League. And uh, Befica qualified through a playoff system, also through a Final Four format, winning two qualifying games and getting in and playing those games at home, which the club made a, a big effort to host that Final Four, that pot, that pot of four. And they advance, and now they are 2-0 and in the group stage. I kid you not, or the regular season, as they call it, in the BCL, the Basketball Champions League. Benfica making history. First Portuguese basketball team ever to get in to the Basketball Champions League. They are 2-0. and I have to come with some content. I've got the games uh, I've watched them. I'm going to watch them again, and at some point between now and next week, I do plan to have a basketball episode out. I haven't done one in about three years, um, and I've only done one, so it'll be only the second ever Mr. Benfica basketball episode, but I feel like this accomplishment, this achievement warrants it, so that's also coming your way, and there's also a special topics, things I need to talk about. That just don't fit into tonight's episode. The, uh, they need their own episode. Off-the-pitch stuff that needs to be addressed. I mean, I'm talking about uh, the treatment of not just Benfica fans, but football fans in general in Portugal. I need I, I got some things I need to say. And you'll want to tune to that because I'm going to come to the defense of one of our fans of one of our rivals. Yes, that's right. That's a little sneak peek. Um, if you haven't been following it, you know, the, these ridiculous rules we have in Portugal where... You can't wear visiting colors in certain sections. It's it's absolutely. I'm pretty sure it's it's not even legal. I've talked to a number of people who say they're pretty sure that they that's not even legal in a free country, as Portugal claims to be. And um, you know the mistreatment of child of children. Even we saw it at Fomalicão, and um, you know Benfica fans, kids having to to. T- to to watch the match with no shirt off. I've alluded to it with no shirt on, excuse me. I've alluded to it in the past. It happened earlier this season where one of the guys at Bay Independent said that they saw, you know, two young females forced to remove their Bayfica jerseys and watch, you know, a match in their essentially in, in undergarments. Luckily they had tank tops on underneath, so it wasn't completely humiliating and inappropriate. But nonetheless embarrassing and nobody should be humiliated like that nobody should have the right to do that i don't care that that is not a security measure in any free society that's not a security measure in any civilized society it's time to you know really stop making excuses get rid of the extreme clubism that's polluting the portuguese game completely poisoning it um it, it and that's why i i will come to the defense of our rivals fans who were treated equally as badly 
the images were everywhere of a father and daughter watching a match and being just verbally abused by opposing fans for sitting in a section wearing their team's colors. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely unacceptable. There's also a scandal going on in the women's game in Portugal. It's it's not as big as the one here in the United States. It's not as well advertised, but I did tweet about it. Um, about in, and let's be let's be honest, abuse of athletes in the women's game. Uh, Portugal is not immune to that. And so again, these topics are sensitive. These topics are serious, and they need to have their own episode for me to address them. And I will do that with care and and with you know research. I. I going to be very careful not to misspeak in that episode. That's going to come your way at some point in the near, near future. Um, again, I have some time tomorrow, so I'm going to be recording that. Also, one other thing I have to say, because this Saturday will be a dream come true for me. Okay, as you know now, Benfica drawn in the third round of the Portuguese Cup away to none other than Caldas Sport Club, my local club. The club, you know, that uh, the club in my father's home city, if you will. Um, my father's technically from the Avidush municipality, but literally w- within eyesight of the city of Kaldash Lechenia and the city's team, Kaldash Sport Club, a uh, team that I've supported, you know, as well as supporting, I think I've supported Kaldash. To the best of my ability, my entire life, it hasn't been easy. They've not been on until the creation of the Liga Trish and Canalons. It was almost impossible. I was supporting them or following them simply through, uh, you know, a ball. When I was a kid, it was through week old, epi- uh, week old issues of Abola, week old, you know, newspaper articles. Um, members of my family have worn the black and white jersey of Kaldish. So it's going to be very, very special for me. Uh, there's no video tonight, as you can see. There, There is no video stream, so this is audio only tonight. But when I am uh, available on video, you always see behind me on the set, you see a Benfica jersey and a Caldas jersey. These are It's just a shout-out to the hometown, if you will. And I'm very, very ecstatic that this match will take place Saturday, 3.45 Eastern time here in the United States, 8.45 Portuguese time in Ucampta Mata, uh, as we locally call it, Amata Encantada translates to the Enchanted Forest. Uh, when you see the stadium, it's beautiful. It's in the it's in the forest essentially, uh, off the center of the city, away from the the city, in in the city's park, and uh, it's going to be absolutely a, a dream come true for me. I've always wanted to see these two teams take off, uh, take the field against each other. Every single year. When that third round draw comes up and Caldas are still alive, I'm always hoping and crossing my fingers that they draw Benfica. And it has not happened before. It finally happened. Um, and Caldas are are playing some of their best football I've ever seen them play this season. So I'm really excited for the match. Um, obviously, listen, I'm a Benfica and I'm a socio of Benfica. And Benfica, I fully expect and want Benfica to win. But I'm also excited for the guys on the other side of the pitch, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a short preview episode, probably Friday, um, which I plan to record tomorrow as well as I have a few hours off, and uh, I'll preview. I'll teach. I'll tell you guys a little bit about this team that Benfica is gonna take on this Saturday, and I'll tell you a little bit about the players. A fully amateur team. 
Um, this is a dream come true for them. If I'm excited, I can't even imagine how these players feel. They're going to get to play against Benfica, even if it's the second string. You know, that second string includes players like like Ulian Draxler and players like, you know, Frederick Auschnitz, if he plays, although he's really found his way. He was he was awesome uh, in Paris this week, and he's really a quality player that we've brought in. And you're talking about players like even if it's an Enrique Araujo or someone like that playing, uh, I'm sure it's going to be a massive, uh, just exciting experience for all the guys. Shout out to them. Some of them listen to this show. I know that for a fact. So uh, shout out to some of those guys. I'm looking forward uh, to watching them on television. The only thing that would be better would be if I could be there, which I realistically could not be there. That when the draw came out, my sister told me I should go. And uh, given what I got going on right now, it just isn't possible. Um, also, with the match being at college, it's nearly impossible to get a ticket. There's all, They're only releasing... I. Uh, releasing somewhere around 6,000 tickets uh, because of stadium con security concerns. Once again, they are not opening all the sections of the stadium, which is bizarre to me, makes no sense at all. Um, but very, very excited to announce that within the last few hours, it has been made official. The match will be played at the Camp da Mata, the, the Enchanted Forest, the Mata Encantada, a stadium uh, where college play their home matches. It was in doubt. They changed the pitch, mind you. They replaced the entire pitch. They did all kinds of things to make it uh, ready to to host Benfica and to not have the match moved to Rio Maior or to Leiria. Um, Leiria is not even available. Maybe that's why it, it, it they did what they did to get the, the, the pitch available, to get the pitch ready, because from what I understand now, the... Ladia's Stadium, the Magalhães Pessoa, not available this weekend, hosting some kind of auto uh, event, some kind of uh, vehicle event, sports car viewing or something. So uh, either way, very, very excited. I can't wait. That's Saturday, 3.45 Eastern Time, 12.45 Pacific, 8.45 p.m. in Portugal on RTP1. I hope I it, it's not listed for RTP Internacional yet. So I'm hoping that it, that happens. If not, I got my VPN ready and RTP play better work on my VPN because uh, I want to watch this match. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we're going to get into these matches. We're going to talk Champions League. We're going to talk Liga Portugal. All right. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. Follow me on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And check out. Of course, the website, it's I've got the updated table there. Um, I'm going to be working on that website at some point also in the near future, uh, getting some articles up, getting some other content up there, and just uh, getting episodes posted up there as well uh, real soon. www.mrbenfica.com. And as always, check out the Parking the Bus Media Network's homepage, www.parkingthebusmedia.com. I'll be right back. This is Mr. Benfica. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida. 
Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carregas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo And welcome back to episode 143, Mr. Benfica. And it's been a long time since I heard that song, a long time since I heard Reconquista. And uh, I'm really feeling that right now. I'm really feeling it this season. Um, it's early. These are early days, but uh, our Benfica, no question. Right now, one of the better teams in all of Europe. One of the few undefeated teams still left. Let's recap the last month or so, last five weeks of action. Before I do that, I have to send one more shout-out, and that is to my boy, to, to Nino Torres, the commentator on Goal TV here in the United States, and as I'm learning throughout much of the English-speaking world, uh, he his work is starting to be recognized. I hear him getting shouted out, you know, on the Portugal corner. Uh, he was he was uh, shouted out, and also he was also recording an episode with the guys from the Long Ball Football Podcast. Those guys are awesome. Long Ball Football Podcast. If you're not listening, you should be. They cover the Portuguese league uh, to. A level of quality that, quite honestly, does not exist in Portugal. Uh, they're two, in two English brothers from the UK covering the Portuguese league, covering football uh, in Portugal uh, to a very, very high degree. And I rely on them a lot uh, for information on a lot of our op opponents. Um, they really do a phenomenal job, both of those guys. So shout out to them as well. But I got to shout out Nino because uh, a while back, <laughs> but since the last episode, I was on uh, Nino's Instagram Live uh, after the Maccabi Haifa match, which is happens to be you know the first match we're going to talk about here in the timeline today. Uh, I got to go on his his Instagram Live with him, and it was great to just just uh, talk fa you know face to face remotely, obviously through Instagram. But uh, to talk to, to Nino, who covers this league, obviously, who commentates this league for Gold TV, and to just discuss the league with him. And he really, uh, I, I was going on there expecting to get badgered, not by him necessarily, but I thought, you know, 
the uh, viewers would come in with the questions because this was right after the Vizela match as well. And I thought, you know, the 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 antis were going to start to talk about the referees and that I, I gave everyone my opinion on that penalty kick uh, that won the game against Vizela late in the last episode. And I stand by what I said. It's a penalty. I, I know you're free to disagree, um, but whoever disagrees with me disagrees with the rule and whether they know it or not, doesn't really, there's nothing to disagree about with the referee's application. It's the rule that you don't like. And we can, we can discuss rules and whether we like them or not all day long. But at the end of the day, the referee did apply the rule correctly that day. Finally, after having a disastrous, uh, performance, but that was not the case. You know, uh, Nino talked to me about, about Befica, about the team, about the players, about, about Enzo Fernandez, about uh, Antonio Silva, who has just blown up. Let's talk about Antonio Silva. For real, like, you know, I'm watching the Champions League on CBS Sports last, the last, not this previous match, not uh, yesterday's match, but the match a week ago at the Luge against, uh, against PSG and the commentator, the English language commentator, you know, commentating for the world feed, talked about how he was there. Uh, making the most of his time as a substitute for Moratu. My friends, Antonio Silva is nobody's substitute. Antonio Silva is the right center back for Sport Lisboa Benfica. Yeah, that relegates Moratu to the bench. Yeah, that that uh, relegates John Anthony Brooks. I thought John Anthony Brooks was going to get a chance to play here. I thought he was going to come in uh, when Moratu went down, and I thought. Brooks was going to get some minutes there at left center back, paired up with Otamendi. But uh, Antonio Silva said, not so fast. This is my spot. Uh, credit to Roger Schmidt for just simply moving uh, Otamendi from right center to left center. This is not an easy change to make. It's a change where we've seen throughout time here uh, in the Portuguese league, especially Portuguese managers, very uh, hesitant to make that kind of switch. We've seen Jorge Zuz, you know, change out the the not make that change, I should say. Not move the more experienced the central defender and bring in a kid. He he would go with the left-footed player, and that's it. And that's not a knock on Jorge Jesus. That is the Portuguese manager mentality. But again, what's great about Roger Schmidt is he doesn't have any of these biases. He doesn't care. He doesn't care, you know, who your agent is. He doesn't care what your market value is. He puts the best team on the pitch that he can each and every night. We have seen a base now. We have an 11. We have about, I would say, 13 or 14 solid players that could all be in the 11. And then I do admit there's a little bit of a drop-off. When you get uh, when you get away from those 13 or 14, you get into the Diogo Gonçalves and the Chiquinhos and, and the guys like that. But still, a very, very high quality of football being played by Roger Schmitz boys and a big part of that right now is Antonio Silva yeah he, he gave away his first penalty uh in Paris but did anyone notice how that didn't phase him he went about his business the rest of the match and he, he I, I think he was flawless throughout the rest of the match this kid is 18 years old Nino and I talked about him he had just signed that day uh, an extension to 2027 and uh, with an exit, you know, a higher exit clause. Of course, nobody expects Antonio Silva to be up in Figa till 2027, 
But uh, the Sharks are already circling the the Stadio de Luz looking for this central defender. But I will say I feel confident. I feel confident that the line of succession in several positions seems to be there now. Okay, so if if someone comes and pries away Antonio Silva, we've got, you know, in the wings, we've got João Vitor, we've got uh, Lucas Verissimo. Have we forgotten Lucas Verissimo? He's out there still too, okay? And I remember how highly I rated him. We've got Muratu, okay? This team is in a good place right now, especially in the center back position. Um, same goes for a couple of other positions, you know. I think we've got we've got some lineage and we've got a line of succession there, and um, we're what I like too is we're not overly dependent on any one player right now. We just saw the team take the pitch on Tuesday in the Parc de Prince in Paris without David Nerge, and Auschwitz comes into the lineup and he's like, "I got this, guys." Uh, he's a different player, but he 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 did the job that the match called for on the night. You know, huge shout out to him. Uh, this whole team is just, this is a team. It's exciting. I don't want to sit here and just gush over the way we're playing. Uh, not every match has been perfect, but overall, the entire body of work looks, it looks like a Picasso right now. And um, I know it's, again, it's early days. Tough times will come. There will be moments that test this team. And I think, you know, next week is the first, is, is maybe the toughest test so far. Not because they're the best team. We will have faced at this point, but it's going to be the most hostile environment. There's going to be all the shenanigans, um, you know, next Friday, October the 21st, when we go into the Stadio du Ladron against the Ladrões. And uh, I'm excited for it, though. I am excited for it. And, uh, yeah, I feel a little bit of a a cough, maybe, or some sneezing coming on that, that Friday. Um, I do I have no plans of going to work that day. I have every intention of staying home and watching that that Clásico against Porto next week. But let's talk about where we've been so far. Okay, Tuesday, September the 6th, Benfica open up the Champions League group stage at home versus Israeli champions at Maccabi Haifa. And uh, this match, of course, at the Stadio de Luz in front of 55,000. 130. The referee was Andreas Ekberg of Sweden. And Benfica took to the pitch in this debut. And uh, this, the lineup on that night, I'm going to pull it up quickly. Uh, Odi Vlakodimo in goal once again. Uh, Alexander Ba gets the start at right back. He's really solidified himself at this point um, as probably the first choice right back in the tougher matches. But no lie, no lie. We have two two solid right backs with him and with Gilberto Antonio Silva making his his uh, debut. This might have even been his first team debut. If I'm not his first team, I shouldn't say his debut. His first start in the first team, uh, and it's in the Champions League alongside Nicolas Otamendi. Silva and Otamendi were the center backs. Grimaldo gets his start. Um, what is he? I. How many appearances does Grimaldo have for Benfica at this stage? It's a, he's got a long run now. He gets another start. He was actually the man of the match on the night against Maccabi Haifa at left back. Florentino Luiz and Enzo Fernandez, the double pivot in midfield. And this double pivot is turning heads. This double pivot is getting attention. I've read articles this week about the 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 
underrated, unsung heroes of this team, and it is, and it is Enzo Fernandez and Florentino Luis. And I could not be happier about this. I have advocated for Florentino. After two failed loans, it took a foreign manager to come to Befica, a manager who does not care what nationality you are. Like I said, he does not care who your agent is. He does not care where you played your football last year. He put them on the field. And I said this, you know, in earlier episodes this season that I'm convinced that Florentino Luis does the job that Roger Schmidt asks for better than anyone else. That's why he's there. That's why my man Julian Weigel has moved on, okay, uh, because he does not fit the system. He did not fit the system. He could not do what uh, Roger Schmidt was asking for. Florentino Luis clearly is doing exactly what he's asking for. Indispensable at this moment in this team. He plays all the time, and I am very excited. I've always been a fan of Florentino Luis from his time in the B team. And even in the in when I saw him play in the UEFA Youth League many years ago, uh, always been a fan of him. Um, I've heard you know the criticism. This kid just he let it all just bounce off his chest and roll off his back, and he just went out there, did his job. That you said he couldn't hit the, the, the he can't hit a vertical pass. He hits the vertical passes. You said he couldn't knock a diagonal ball on the run. He hits a diagonal ball on the run. You say he's slow as molasses and that he can't he can't uh you know keep up with the with the top players. Well he ran down Kylian Mbappe on Tuesday and perfectly timed a sliding tackle in the box to no doubt save uh what would probably have been a goal from from uh Kylian Mbappe. Yes he got help from from Antonio Silva as well, but Florentino Luigi's intelligence is unmatched on this Befica team on the pitch. Okay, he is for me the most intelligent footballer on this team. He knew he couldn't run with Mbappe. What does he do? He he changes the angle. He gets to where he needs to go. He knows that Antonio Silva will would force him to the spot. He got to the spot where Antonio was going to force him, and he tackled and cut the ball. And um, again, just a Highly intelligent, great anticipation, uh, a player who's great in anticipation, and that's what Roger Schmidt's asking for, and that's why he fits like a glove in this team. And what can I say about Enzo Fernandez, huh? What can I say about this? One of the best signings Benfica have made in, in, in a generation, I think, uh, for what they paid for him uh, to bring him from River Plate, however they got it done. Man, this this guy is is so good, and that's why, uh, just like Antonio Silva, the Sharks of world football know the name Enzo Fernandez, and they are watching. And um, it's gonna be hard to keep this guy, but I'm enjoying it in the moment. This is a guy that that I just enjoy watching play. And um, again, this is the most enjoyable Benfica team I have seen in in a decade. Okay, this has just been phenomenal. And another guy I have to advocate for, also starting in this one, Joao Mario. How good has he been? He has been fantastic, so consistent, so calm on the ball. He's got his old form back. And um, the signing of Ulian Draxler seems to have only motivated uh, Joao Mario. He has continued to elevate his game. Again, just like Florentino, doing exactly 
what the manager is asking for clearly because he stays in the lineup. Rafa Silva being Rafa Silva at his best. When he is at his best, he is phenomenal. And it is exciting to see him produce. Um, of course, as has always been the case, if he was finishing at a higher percentage, you know, we he'd have more goals, but he also wouldn't be here anymore. David Nersh fits this team. He's in there as well in, in this match. Uh, very, very, very good player. Again, I can't, I can't stress enough, uh, how, how he is the dribbler. He is the guy that breaks the lines on the dribble. He is the guy that puts the other team on their heels. And each, each player in this Befica team has a specific task, a job, and they have skill sets. There's a diversity of skill sets in this Befica team that we didn't have before. And I, I think that's a big reason for the success of course, Gonzalo Ramos, Gonzalito, despite the the criticism, despite the haters, he's got himself double-digit goals already in all competitions. And if I'm not mistaken, he leads the Liga Portugal in scoring at the moment as well. I'll double-check on that before the end of the episode. But those were the 11 that took the pitch. We also uh, we also got to see Petr Musa, Freddy Auschnitz, uh, Chiquinho, Diogo Gonçalves in this first match. Um, goals in this one came from uh, Rafa Silva and from Grimaldo. And Befica pick up the first three points of the Champions League run at home against Maccabi Haifa. They knew they had to do that because the direct rivals for qualification for the round of 16, Juventus, were playing in Paris that day. Uh, Juventus obviously dropped that one. Uh, PSG beat them 2-1. to one. And Befica for, for a day went in top of the group. After match day one. That was on the 6th of September. Again just a very professional performance. Um, against a good Maccabi Haifa team. We find we found out this week just how good they can be. Uh, but Benfica got it done. Saturday September the 10th. Benfica traveled to Family Cow. This is the match I'm talking about. Um, this was an afternoon match. Where again. Benfica fans being mistreated. They're overcharged for tickets. These clubs live and die with these Benfica matches. Okay, they 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 rely almost specifically on these matches for their finances to fund their team. They have zero business acumen. They don't know how to treat customers because we go and we fill their stadiums and they don't want us wearing our colors because, what, they get embarrassed because the entire stadium is in red. It's a ridiculous rule that should not exist. And we don't need a director of communication from Riuav to come out and to come to their defense either. A Riuav that, you know, last year their fans abused, racially abused one of our young B-team players. And here they come talking about the, the parental choices of Befica fans and bringing their kids to to a match dressed in a Befica kit. Uh, Oh, you know, disobeying the rules and the authorities. Uh, I, excuse me? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay? And I've called on this before. And, and, and again, when I get around to this off-the-pitch topics episode, or maybe I'll write a blog post, it's time for, when, with these teams, it's time for Benfica to just not, for fans to just not go to these matches. Cheer from outside the stadium. In this day and age, you can watch the match on your phone. You can stand around the stadium in an earshot, especially in these small towns. And uh, you can support from outside the stadium and not put a single euro into the pockets of a team, a small-minded team like Fumalico. Don't give me that it's in the rules. That rule is stupid. 
Okay, don't don't skirt around the fact that that rule is stupid. And and again, a free society, a country that claims to be a free country, that is Portugal, uh, with with rules like this, is just not acceptable. Again, a poor kid watching the entire match with no shirt on, it's just not acceptable. And uh, Benfica get the win here. Rafa with the goal. Rafa Silva, that is. Uh, in the 63rd minute, three more points for the good guys in red. At this point, Benfica were still perfect. No points dropped. That took us to Wednesday, September the 14th. Historic night. Historic. And this is when I knew this team was special. I mean, I knew they were good, but this team was special on this night. The Allianz Arena versus Juventus. Okay, Juventus versus Benfica. Torino, Italy, uh, another great, great showing of support from Befikistas. Lots and lots of support for Befika in this match. Lots of traveling support. I saw on BTV before the match, you know, uh, busloads of fans going from Switzerland specifically uh, into, Tor into Torino, excuse me, uh, to support Befika in this match. You could hear them all match. Uh, Befika... Would come into this one, okay, and here is the lineup. I believe it was the same lineup, if I'm not mistaken. Roger Schmidt goes with Blanco Limos, Ba, Antonio Silva, Otamendi, Grimaldo, Florentino, Enzo, Neres, Sil uh, Rafa Silva, João Mario, and Gonzalo Ramos. Same exact lineup. Juventus lineup with Perin in goal. They would try to play a 3-5-2 against us. We had them penned back for much of the game in a 5-3-2. Um... Bremer, Bonucci, and Danilo, the three across the back. Cuadrado and Kostic were the wingbacks. Uh, Paredes playing in the in the hole there as the as the CDM, if you will, with Meretti to one side and Weston McKinney to the other. Malik and Vlahovic, uh, the strikers. Of course, Malik would pick up the goal early in the match. I think it was three or four minutes in. It was four minutes in. But from that moment, once again, what I'm saying I like about this Befica team, they've fallen behind a few times in this undefeated run more than once, and never have they panicked. They just start to play the game. They start to, to ball out a bit. The ball starts to move, and then uh, we, get a, we, we get a penalty, and João Mario steps up, and he buries it, uh, giving Befica all kinds of hope. I remember that gave us all kinds of hope. And in the 55th, in the second half, it was David Nersh uh, getting the rebound. If I'm remembering correctly, he was assisted on this one. This was a rebound. Um, and he just buried it past Perrin and completely silencing the Allianz Arena, except for the sections of red. And Benfica at that point go ahead 2-1 to one with, you know, 35 minutes to play. And you start to say, are we really going to beat Juventus in Italy? I mean... No Portuguese team had won an official Champions League match in Italy since 1995, I want to say. Maybe it was 96 when Porto beat AC Milan back in the day. So this was huge. This was historic. And just like that, Befica take six points in the Champions League. Nobody predicted that. Um, I remember, you know, the, the conversations are pretty much the same from all of us that watch this team, that talk about this team. It was we we gave the two PSG matches as you know as gone, and we said that the two matches with Juventus would decide who would advance alongside PSG. But Benfica's confidence really starts to take off here uh, to go in to Turin 
and to leave with three points, leaving uh, Juventus shell-shocked. And this Juventus team, and I'm not going to talk about them much because that's not really what uh, this show's about. But if you do know, uh, again, uh, I married into a Juventini family. Okay, my wife's family. There's a lot of Juventus fans. Uh, so I follow this team close enough. I'm familiar with them. This team reminds me, this Juventus team reminds me so much. It's like watching last year and the previous year's Benfica at its worst. I mean, Max Allegri is literally Georges Zouge in his second term. The, the, the parallels are scary. Relying on some of these guys that shouldn't be there anymore. There's clearly bad apples in the Juventus locker room. And you're relying on a manager who won for you some time ago, and you brought him back thinking that he was going to do it again. And it became obvious, and it is obvious, that the, the football, the game, has passed Max Allegri by. He's, he's trying to play a, a, a style of play from 15 years ago that this, that's just not working. Mefica exploiting all kinds of weaknesses in, in this game. Uh, again, young Antonio Silva, 18 years old, puts Vlahovic in his pocket in this match. And he absolutely shuts him down. And I think this is when the eyes of the world started to pay attention to Antonio Silva. And again, I know he gets criticized a lot. But Odi, Vlakodimos, is playing some good football. He's doing some good goalkeeping in this Champions League. Okay, you can criticize how he plays with his feet. But you know what? After playing PSG twice you know, in back-to-back -back weeks, I can tell you right now, he is no worse with his feet than Donnarumma. I saw Donnarumma make far more mistakes and kill far more plays with his feet than I've seen Odie do. Um, big saves from Odie when needed. He, he had a few. And really, again, it, it, it was just weird watching Befica take to this team and just control the game. And it really looked like we were watching a George Zouche team on the other side, at its worst. I know Georges Zouge is, is capable of good things as well, but when the Georges Zouge mentality and model does not work, it looks just like this Juventus team. Mefica take all six points from the first two matches before welcoming, you know, on the eve of welcoming PSG. There is a, there was an international break here, but just before that, Mefica would beat Maritimo 5-0 at the Stade de Luge before heading off on the international break. Goals from Rafa. Uh, two from Gonzalo Ramos. One from David Nersh. And the first goal in a Benfica uniform by none other than Ulian Draxler. And I love pronouncing German names. <laughs> Ulian Draxler scored an absolute rocket that I thought was going to break the netting. Um, Benfica bossed around the last place team in the league on that day, and they went off on an international break. And as we normally do on the back end of the international break, but if you could just not quite with it there in Guimarães, just not firing on all on all uh, cylinders, if you will. A lot of people criticizing Schmidt giving five days off to the players that didn't go play international football during this window. Um, of course, the headlines were dominated by Rafa's retirement from international football, if you will, or telling the Federation he's no longer available for the national team, stepping down, whatever you want to call it, okay, and then going on vacation to Algarve with his family. I get it. I get it. He, 
And uh, many Benficistas were very happy about this, to be honest. There is a, a clear divide between uh, the, especially the Benfica fandom and the Portuguese national team's fandom uh, that I find, you know, sad and unfortunate, but I understand it. I get it. I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I, I still love the national team. I still follow the national team. And it's probably, I've come to realize, because I live abroad, and it's because I live mixed in with all these other ethnicities and all these fans of other national teams. I'm, you know, I think that's why it means a little more to me. But I get it. And um, the federation has not necessarily been good to Benfica or to its players. Uh, Rafa making probably a wise decision, um, seeing the writing on the wall. Although um, I don't know, the, the Rafa's a quiet guy. Okay, Rafa's a He's clearly an introvert, and I think he has a small circle of friends, and none of them are on the Portuguese national team, I don't think. I don't think he particularly enjoys being there, and I think there is a uh, there's a fed-upness, if you will, with uh, Fernando Santos at this point and with his selections and how little the player has been used. And, I th- and I'm starting to think that a lot of the, the, the unhappiness that this player showed last season in addition to the team not playing well. I think a lot of it had to do with his treatment from the national team as well. A player who's a European champion, don't you forget. Uh, a veteran already of a World Cup and um, a veteran of two Euros, if I'm not mistaken. But that dominated the headlines. But Befica a little bit disjointed in Gimenez. Gimenez a good team. Especially when they're not in, when they're going in there to uh, not lose at home in front of their fans, it was uh, a night where things just didn't go right. And I know our rivals rejoiced in us dropping points there, nil nil. First time all season, Befica were held, you know, without a goal, first clean sheet. But the positive on the positive, they did not concede a goal. Okay, they and Roger Schmidt said in the post game presser that because they did not play well, he viewed it as a point one and not two points lost because he felt that the performance could not justify any better of a result. But if he could bounce right back October the 5th, Wednesday night, Stadio de Luz jam-packed, and the <laughs> the colossal megastars that are the... the, the uh, Modern-day Galacticos, if you will. They're not the Galacticos because that there's only one Galacticos squad. But uh, the modern-day just world all-stars that is Paris Saint-Germain, uh, Kylian Mbappé, Neymar, Lionel Messi, mind you, uh, come to the Stadio de Luz. But if he could play well right from the beginning, I thought they were fantastic in this match. thought, again, this was one of Befica's best matches that I've seen them play in a long time. Of course, one failed tackle by Grimaldo where he stepped a little too hard, too, a little too high up the pitch. He gets beat by, I want to say it was by, let's see here. I want to say that originally it was, uh, it was originally Hakimi. Yes, it was Hakimi who, who gets by Grimaldo because of an overcommittal, you know, in the middle third, gets in behind. Finds Neymar, finds uh, Mbappe, excuse me. Mbappe exploits the space, touches for Neymar. Neymar with one touch back to Messi, and Messi without, you know, right in stride with the inside of his priceless left foot, buries one in the far post. 
It was a goal that silenced the Stadio de Luz. Again, Benfica playing their normal starting 11 that they started in the first two uh, Champions League matches. This goal was phenomenal. I mean, this was a textbook goal. PSG had done nothing up to that point. And from nothing, uh, from one little mistake, they punished you. And that's what great teams do. And when you have a guy named Lionel Messi on the pitch and, uh, you know, another guy named Neymar puts the ball perfectly onto his stride so that all he has to do is inside of the foot, inside of his left foot to the far post. No goalie's going to save it. It was fantastic. And, I mean, the Stadio de Luz went absolutely silent in awe of that goal. I mean, you could hear if someone's phone rang, you would have heard it on the telecast because it was such a, a silencing. But quickly, Benfica fans snap out of it. They get behind the team. Again, this is a reoccurring thing. This team has fallen behind, but this team does not quit. This team does not panic, and they come right back. And, yes, it's an own goal, but it's an own goal. It's an earned own goal uh, off of Danilo. And, of course, Danilo Pereira uh, puts it in his own goal behind past Donnarumma. 1-1, Befica see out the result with plenty of chances actually to win the game. A few good saves by uh, by uh, Dimos in this one. Rafa with the chance of the match to, to win it late. He gets in behind, uh, goes with the outside of his foot, but Donnarumma is just too damn big. The ball did, never got its chance to, to, uh, to traject into it, the angle that it, he had created for it because Donnarumma cut it off. It hits him. Benfica leave with a point. PSG leave with a point. Benfica play a brand of football so well that the world starts to take notice after you do it to PSG. Okay. This was very encouraging for me because I see Benfica take the pitch against this team and not back down and not, you know, allow them to 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 boss the match, if you will. Not allow them to dictate. Befica put their own imprint in the match. And if they can do that at the Stade de Luz against, uh, against PSG, if they can do it at the Parc de Prince against PSG, I feel much better going into the Stade de Ladron next week. I feel much better going into Porto with this team playing this brand of football. I believe we're going to go there. We're going to play our game and... It's going to be hard to pull the shenanigans, in my opinion, because Roger Schmidt ain't playing those games in, off the pitch. He's not playing those games in the newspapers. He's not playing those games in the press room. He's focused on the pitch. And, you know, the antics of Porto, I, I believe they're not going to get to Befica next week. I could, stand, I could come on here in a week and be completely, or I should say in a week and a half, and be proven wrong and if so I will admit it I will do a mea culpa and admit it but I I don't see this team and I'm not saying they're going to win but they're they're going to play their match they're going to put their imprint on the match regardless of where it is and I like that about this team a share of the spoils Benfica then recover by winning 4-2 at the Luz over Chihuahua and in this one we get Goal, two more goals from Gonzalo Ramos. You do get an own goal from Jonathan, the goalkeeper. Um, somewhat comical, but I really actually empathized with Jonathan on this one. I felt for him giving up a goal like that. 
Uh, of course, Chiuav took the lead. So this again, Befica have fallen behind. Okay, they they they. This is reoccurring. This is something. Uh, we do have nine clean sheets out of these seventeen unbeaten matches. In the matches, I I I dare to say, and I haven't verified this, but I dare to say that in the matches where we don't get clean sheets, we typically fall behind, and we have come back. We're still undefeated here. We got a goal from from Petra Musa too, all in the 61st minute. Um, four to two win over Riuav. That leads us to the table now as it stands here. After nine rounds, we have topping the table. Nine matches played, eight victories, one draw, 25 points, 18, uh, 23 goals for five against. The tied for the best defensive uh, record in in the league right now, uh, twenty three goals for just one goal behind Braga for the best offensive output as well. Like I said, twenty five points, three better than second place Porto at this point. They have seven victories, one draw, one defeat, twenty two for six against for the Dragons uh, for a plus sixteen. Braga in third now after spending much of the season. Up until this past round in second um, and even in first uh, on a couple of weeks there. Braga have six victories, one draw. Now two defeats after being beaten by Porto. Uh, four to one if I'm not mistaken. But they still are in third place. And of course the news broke this week that they have sold 21% of their SAD to the Qatari Sports Foundation that also own PSG. Uh, interesting to see how that will impact the team on the pitch. And interesting to see what kind of players are going to come into Braga and if they're really going to be able to compete for a title year in and year out. If we're really going to have a big four in the near future. Now that the Qataris are pumping some money into Sport Club Braga, we will see. Fourth place is Casa Pia, two behind Braga. They have 17 points from five victories, two draws, two defeats. Boavista right now are fifth. The Panthers have 16 points, five victories, one draw, three defeats. Sporting, the Lions are in are in sixth right now. Human Amorim's boys are uh, they're, uh, struggling in the league a little bit. They've dropped a fair amount of points here. Five victories, one draw. Three defeats for Ruben Amorim here. 18-4, 12 against, 16 points in sixth place. Only one point better than Isturil and Portimonense, who each have 15 points. Vitoria Guimarães, 14 points in ninth. Shabj, the promoted side, have 12 points. As do Aroca. Vizela is 12th with 11 points. Hiwav right now is 13th with 9 Gilles Vicente has nine points as well in 14th. Fumilicone just above the playoff line with seven points, while Santa Clara right now, the Bravos Asurians, they are in the relegation playoff place right now, 16th place from five points. And then you have Passos de Ferreira and Maritimo in the basement, neither of them with a victory at this point. Uh, Maritimo with just a solitary point in 18th place. But only really one win away from uh, from leapfrog. Well, one point behind uh, Passage of Ferreira. Passage have two points. And both of them are really 
a little mini run away from being out of relegations. And I know when I talked to Nino on his channel or on his, his Instagram feed, I thought that the, the teams were going to start to get far away. But again, in this league, you go on a little bit of a run, two, three matches where you pick up points, and you find yourself going from last to safety fairly quickly. Uh, that's the table right now. That's available up at MrBefica.com. Let's take a look here at the stats now. Um, I'm going to just run down a few of the stats in the Ligue Nage before we recap the f the final, or I should say the match day four uh, Champions League tie against Paris Saint-Germain and um, the one that happened just yesterday. I'll move to that in just a moment, but let's take a look at the player stats right now. And Gonzalo Ramos does, in fact, lead the league right now in scoring with six goals, none of them coming from the penalty spot. He's one goal better than a group of five, a peloton of five, if you will, or a chase group, if you want to use the cycling terms. Uh, Abdul Aziz Yakubu of Hiwav has, yeah, of Hiwav. He's got five goals. So does uh, Pot of Sporting, Simon Banza of, of Braga, Fran of Gil Vicente, and of course, the Persian pool diver with, uh, with five of his own. Um, this, of course, if this if this is the category for goals, if the category were for, uh, you know, penalty kicks, where you've deceived the referee, he'd be he'd be far and away. He probably leads the world. Although, what I've seen from Neymar in the past two weeks against in these two matches against Befica rivals Mehdi Taremi, but uh, yeah, the Persian pool diver Mehdi Taremi has five goals uh, as he is in that group chasing Gonzalo Ramos, and then you have. Another group of six or five with four goals in that group includes Ivan Nielsen of Porto Hector, Hernandez of Chaves, Rafa Silva of Befica, Ricardo Horta of Braga, João Mario of Befica as well. David Nerj has three right behind them along with Marcus Edwards, Nuno Sanchez, and the like. A whole slew of players with three and two goals. So they, the goal scoring uh, list starts to spread out a little bit. Okay, now moving back to uh, the Champions League and yesterday's match against Paris Saint-Germain in the Parc des Princes. And it was a match that had a crowd of 46,435. Many of them, obviously, Benfica fans being in Paris. That's like a home game almost, except that PSG has figured out some way to break the code, and they manage to keep a lot of Benfica fans out of the stadium, at least from what you can see. Uh, the lineups in this one. I'll go with both teams' lineups here. And I'll start with the hosts. Start with uh, Paris Saint-Germain and their manager, Christophe Galtier. Uh, he goes with Donnarumma in goal. Again, it's a 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, it is Sergio Ramos, Martinez, and Danilo Pereira in the back with the wingbacks. Uh, Juan Bernat and Hakimi. Double pivot in midfield is Verratti and Vitinha. And I have to give credit where credit is due. And it is hard for me to give credit to guys who come from the club this guy came from. But Vitinha is, is a special talent. Um, he was very good at the Luge. Not quite as good in this one. Uh, Verratti was probably a little bit better than him, although Verratti, uh, the main reason Befica get a point here where he, he gives away the penalty. That's a double pivot behind the attacking three of Pablo Sarabia, uh, Kylian Mbappe, and Neymar. Obviously, 
noticeable by his absence is none other than Lionel Messi with the calf injury. Uh, the camera spent quite a bit of time showing him up in the tribuna, up in the uh, in the in the luxury seats, watching from above. Benfica uh, had a couple changes, and it was due to injury, I believe, or fatigue. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get a real report before this match. But Odi starts in goal once again. Ba Antonio. Otamendi and Grimaldo across the back. Tino and and Enzo in the pivot, the double pivot. Rafa playing in a kind of a number 10 role with Juan Mario on the right and Frederick Auschnes on the left. First start for the Norwegian. And again, I thought he was really, really good in this match. He's not David Neres. He doesn't do what David Neres does. He does not, you know, he does not unbalance the opponent with his dribble. He does not break the lines, but he was solid. He was positionally very, very good. Um, helping Befica clog up that middle and not allowing for as much space for the likes of a Kylian Mbappe or a Neymar to get into space or, you know, Vitinha even. I think I think he had a lot to do with, with the closing down of Vitinha. Um, and they're playing behind the striker, Gonzalo Ramos, who, again, in spite of all the criticism, in spite of the shortcomings everybody likes to point to, uh, he does what the manager wants. He he's very important on the press. He's very important, you know, in uh, positionally, and I think that's why he still plays. You can you can say all you want about his finishing ability, um, but he's a young player. He's coming up, and he's. He's putting him in the net, maybe not at the rate we like, but he, you can definitely see the growth in Gonzalito Ramos here. And Benfica would come out with that lineup, and this was just an even match. And, of course, the news had already trickled in that Maccabi Haifa had beaten Juventus, and meaning that these two teams knew they were going to go home first and second place regardless. Making a tie that much more or a draw that much more attractive Though PSG did take the lead from the penalty spot when Antonio Silva makes, I think, the first mistake he's made all season. Uh, he ends up coming in hard on a challenge, taking down Sarabia. I believe it was, oh, it was Bernat. It was either Sarabia or Bernat. I don't remember. Um, he come, he overcommits on the challenge, and he does make contact. Kylian Mbappe scores. Now, of course, uh, distraction for PSG was the... Who was the... Word that had got out that Kylian Mbappe wants to leave PSG, uh, causing some instability. So first, uh, first off, Messi's injured. He's watching from the stand, and then you're you're dealing with an unhappy Kylian Mbappe, and it, it started to show. And I think this was one of the better days to play this team for Benfica, especially on the road. But you cannot take any credit away from Benfica. They did everything they had to do. A very very professional performance. They went in. They got the result. Uh, João Mario would once again convert a penalty uh, just before halftime. From no after halftime, excuse me. João João Mario scored in the 62nd minute when Rafa was taken down, needlessly stepped on by Verratti, a half a step I think before Rafa had left the penalty area. Uh, Verratti doing us a favor there. João Mario converts one one, and. Uh, Really, the two teams cancel each other out for much of this match. We can look at the stats a little bit here. And uh, the possession did go to, as you would expect, to PSG, especially playing at home. 
Benfica, though, outperformed PSG in the expected goals ever so minimally, of course. PSG with the 1.2 expected goals and Benfica 1.21. And they by one one-hundredth of a, of a goal, they outperform the the French champions. But in total shots, 7-7. to seven. In chances created, Benfica get the edge 6-4. to four. Each team had a big chance. Accurate passes, obviously far more. For the team with more possession, that's PSG 560 to Benfica's 317. But a success rate of 83% for Benfica, which is very, very good. Um, and someone posted the, the the statistic that that Benfica in back-to-back -back weeks outperformed PSG in the XG, in the expected goals. And uh, that I don't know how many times that's going to happen where someone outperforms this team. In expected goals, Benfica concede 18 fouls. It's you know they needed to do that. Well, PSG only five, but in at the end of the day, again, total shots were seven to seven, and Benfica really, really uh, had more of it. They had a 0.42 xG in open play, um, while PSG had a 0.24 xG in open play. Benfica creating the chances. They again. They had their opportunities. They could have come home with uh, with three points once again. They don't. They come home with one. But, I mean, look who we're playing against. And if you would have told me when the draw came out that we'd be sitting here after match day four, level on points with PSG and five points ahead of, of Juventus, I mean, you'd have to be crazy not to take it. And it all comes down to this next match now in the Champions League against Juventus. Uh, which is a couple weeks away. We we get a week off from the Champions League next week. Um, the next fixture list, obviously, Befica hosting Juventus at the Stade de Luge, and PSG tra PSG hosting um, hosting Maccabi Haifa. And after those ninety minutes, very very possible if even a draw will do. Befica will have advanced at this point. Befica need only. One more point, whether it comes against Juventus or comes against Maccabi Haifa to advance. Okay, so that's the table. Eight points for PSG and Befica, uh, three for Juventus, and three for Maccabi Haifa. And uh, that's where we stand. Next, Like I said, next match for Benfica this Saturday at Galdish. I can't believe I'm saying that. I still got to pinch myself. Um, like I said, I plan on having a preview, even if it's short, out for you by Friday. And um, I don't normally do previews, but this is, um, I may be the most, uh, I may be the most qualified to give this preview because I'm actually familiar with the amateur side. I'm very familiar with college. Uh, I know many of the players and I, some of them even personally over the years I've had, I've had conversations with them. And uh, again, very excited for them. And I'm wondering, I'm telling my son as we were, we've traveled. Uh, I've taken my son to a number of games around the United States and, this summer. And we were traveling to New Jersey last weekend because my son has become a big fan of, of the new MLS team, the Charlotte FC. That's his favorite team for any old reason. Uh, but he, he literally, he knows the team inside and out. And it's funny. He's telling me all about all these players that I'm not even that familiar with. But I took him to Red Bull Arena. We we went and we watched his team play. We ended up sitting with the traveling supporter section of, of FC Charlotte. And they made his dreams come true. So I got to give a shout out to the 
the traveling FC Charlotte fans who made the way all the way up to New Jersey uh, last last Sunday. But in talking to him, I said to him, I'm wondering which Kaldish players are going to ask which Befica players for their jersey. I'm looking forward to seeing that, given that I, you know, I have a familiarity with both teams. Um, I'm really excited for this game. I can't, I can't, I can't uh, say it any other way. I don't have the words. It's just something I've always wanted to see my entire life, and here I am, 39 years old. I'm finally going to see my little team and my big team, if you will. Um, and it's on RTP. It doesn't get better than that. Uh, it better work. I, I will be so pissed off if I can't get a stream going. If RTP does not broadcast the match and I can't find it, you know, and if my VPN gets blocked for some reason, it didn't get blocked. I wa yesterday when I watched the Portugal women's team play on RTP, uh, logged into my VPN and then through the RTP play um, app, if you will. On my tablet, I was able to watch Portugal and, and Iceland in women's football yesterday. Um, another historic match, like I said. So I am, I can't wait for Saturday. That's all I got to say. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode 143. Like I said, I'll be back. Uh, I got some time tomorrow, and I'm planning to record. And, uh, yeah, be on the lookout. Thank you for, for uh, stick, sticking with me through all of these uh, dark periods. By dark, I mean, you know, quiet periods where nothing comes out. And uh, I hope to uh, get a more regular schedule going forward, but I appreciate everyone's understanding. Uh, plenty of basic content out there, both in English and in Portuguese, uh, for you to keep you busy in between. But that's going to do it for this one. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. It's been my pleasure, and I'll see you again very, very soon. And uh, I should be returning to the video format as well, and we should be back up on the PTB Media Network shortly. And uh, until then, enjoy your football and Cajega uh, Benfica. Tamu 38. All right, see you next time, guys.